one knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone, to another edition of the show, Big Dave and Joe. And uh, we got some interesting things to talk about tonight. Uh, eight players left at the uh, WPT Best Bet Bounty Scramble up in Jacksonville. Uh, I do know that yesterday, as they played down to 17, the last bounty standing was Jessica Dolly. And she won uh, a bottle of Dom Perignon for being the last, for being the last bounty. Nice for her. Uh, it's a it's a five thousand dollar buy-in tournament being taped for television next year, and uh, there are now eight players remaining. Three hundred fifty-six total in the five thousand dollar event. Jay Schwartz is the chip leader. Kelly Minkin is second. Good and I for thought her. that Kelly was a was one of the bounties. It seemed like when I read it the first time, but maybe that changed somewhere along the way. Uh, Tony Tran is third. And uh, Dominique Mosley is from South Florida. He's in currently the short stack with uh, still over a million chips. So uh, the chip leader has uh, 2.9. So uh, you got eight players left in between three and one million. So that wow. that sounds like plenty of play still uh, happening. Uh, some of the other players still in the, in the tournament: Ray Quartemi, uh Adam Ross, and Philippe Caven, uh, Ping Lu and Tony Tran. So that's uh, the field. We'll keep an eye on that tonight as they paid play down. Um, but congratulations to Jessica. Uh, always an interesting tournament to have a bounty tournament like that with well-known players. And, uh, you know, obviously since Bay 101 has uh, kind of taken a hiatus, I'm not sure if it's going to come back on the schedule next year. Uh, the players really looking forward to this one and uh, a lot of fun. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we got a couple of things we'll... We'll match tonight. Of course, the election's coming up, and a lot of things to talk about there. Last week, we got into a little bit of the two Florida amendments that are up on the ballot, uh, one ending dog racing and the other one uh, turning over the responsibility for any expansion of gambling to the state voters as opposed to the legislature. Uh, So those will uh, affect us here. We'll probably not talk about that angle too much tonight, but... uh, a few other things. Uh, a nice article by uh, Ed Miller that uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. We never got to it, but we might talk about that tonight. And that's uh, what makes a good game is the name of it. But it's not quite what you would imagine. Uh, Joe said a lot of fishes in the game would be, uh, would be the best. <laughs> well, you know, I think they're trying to, to hit the stuff where, uh, you know, what makes it a fun game, I think, more than a good game. Is, no, it's is not that, even that. Is that what he's getting no, at? It's because not even that. A although. good game is you want to have... Uh, station callers, you know, the people that are just constantly calling, which is easy to put them on hands when yeah. they do make a move. The fishes who think that, you know, betting the bottom end of the straight, I won't mention the name that I used to mention because I love this girl now. And I'm not going to mention the name that we used to call it, but the bottom end of a straight, people who will chase that one or two outers, you know, you will not get calling Trying to fill the flush of the straight. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe one maniac at the table. I personally don't like having more than one maniac at the table because then it, be, to me, it becomes a crapshoot. Well, I think the, I think he wrote two articles. This is like the second, and the first one was kind of like uh, 
the, the stuff that makes the game of poker, poker popular in regards to the social the socialism uh, socializing socializing there you go uh, socialization <laughs> yes. uh, not not socialism Sism. no not socialism although that might work in certain, <laughs> certain, certain <laughs> instances uh, anyway uh, but the fun things about poker that uh, you know uh, that well that's what I grew up playing up. you know um, you get a lot of that I saw a lot of that you know almost thirty years ago Dave. You know, in the house games, most people know each other, so there's a lot more pleasantry involved there because you're playing with the same set of people once or twice a week. Right. So you don't want to really have an issue with somebody there. The person running the game doesn't want people to have issues. That's why in private games they provide It's a fun time. It's a, it, it, yes, it's a fun time. Um, and I guess being social is, is the big part of that there, you know, and... Um, you, you, I never really saw major situations, and you knew that if every now and then somebody was just taking continual losses, you were kind of almost waiting for it. And most of the people, when you saw that they were ready to go over the top, somehow people at the table, myself, when I was dealing at some of these games, even the the person running the game whose home we were at, would calm this, you know, would, would kind of, you know, stop the stop the uh, the eruption before it actually got to that point. Right. And and same thing when I started playing, uh, I'm dealing in in the casinos when it's once it became legal in the state of Florida. You know, the early part of it, there wasn't a lot of money to win or lose one way or the other. So it was a very social, you know. <laughs> I used to call it something that I can't mention on the air, but uh, you know, to, uh, I, well, actually, I think I can. Come on, I called it mental masturbation. Okay. That's what I called it back then. Okay, uh, you know, so you had the fun. The people that most dealers will tell you they love to deal to because it's a fun table. You're never getting people being nasty. Where the smaller limits, where you know the pots can get to a hundred, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars. It's not going to change people's lifestyle, but if they win to three hundred dollars, right. four hundred, five hundred in a night, it's a big happy night for them. And you know, then they'll buy and drinks for the table, and you know, well, take uh, care well that's of the what deal. masturbation's all about. That's uh, it. You, make you, it. You can have fun, but you won't make a baby. <laughs> exactly. So in this particular case, now once the dollar, you know, once the dollar amounts got to a you know ridiculous amount, you know, that's when the game. That's when it stopped being fun for me as a dealer Yeah. because, you know, like I've tra- trained, you know, f- over 400 dealers in my lifetime. Let me tell you, you ha- I've had always, for the most part, I've had a great time when I was dealing, mm-hmm. you know. But over the last, and since I was a manager for a long of those years, I only got in for a few hands every now and then to give a dealer a quick m- emergency bathroom break. Um now that I went back to dealing a year and a half ago, two years ago when I was dealing at Dania, you know, they have a very large game. If you hit the right people there, you're going to make very good money as a dealer. But it, there's a lot of pressure on you because yeah. you're pushing pots of twenty, thirty, forty thousand, And it's even more wow. difficult now because, you know, these games are uh, – any pot limit game is the hardest game for – any dealer will tell you that. Uh, they could deal a million, two dollar, two million dollar hold'em game. That's no. It's the same as dealing a one-two, or even a penny and two, a one million. It's just extra zeros at the end of the chip. Right. Now pot limit, you have to know what's in that pot. You know, it works out a little differently. It'll eventually get to a point if they're crazy enough where you don't need to know what the pot is because they don't have enough to even cover what's in the pot. They can just say I'm all in. 
But when you got people that are sitting down with a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in front of them, okay, and the blinds only start off at say ten twenty-five, you know, the first rounds of getting that up there when I'm going dealer, I'm potting it, dealer, I'm potting it. You know, you have to be sharp on your, and it puts a lot of pressure yeah. on the dealers. You always try as a manager in every casino. I've always seen you eventually try to work. Not to say you're – well, break-ins rarely will get that chance until they've gotten their feet, you know, put planted do you, firmly. Do you try to stay up to date with what the pot is on every uh, – If you don't, if you don't, you, you will not be dealing there after, the, after that push. You might be asked to leave before that well, push. let's face it. You're going to have to count. Sometimes you're going to have to count to make sure. No. Right? No. 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 That's not how wow. I train my dealers. Yeah. Uh, you know, at my age now, I've always been great with numbers. There is a way of teaching dealers to do this. But if you get sidetracked, okay, I, every dealer who's dealing in pot limit, if a supervisor walked by and said, how much is in that pot right now? While people are thinking whether they want to bet, any, any dealer worth the, you know, that can deal that game and is going to deal that game will tell you answer. like this, will give wow, you the answer like that's, that. That's amazing because like you know, a couple of, uh, someone pots it and then call, call, now, raise, Now, guess what? Pot. Guess what? Yeah, here's a, yeah that's, how, that's why the pressure's on you. Right. You have to know how to work numbers. There are techniques for that, but there are people that, can't be, that are not that good at numbers. So that creates a problem in a poker room, Dave, because the problem is you're trying to work a rotation. And you're trying to be as fair as possible, especially nowadays, because when I broke into this business, if you couldn't deal a freaking game, you know, because you couldn't handle the high limits, you couldn't handle the pressure. Not because they, cause I did, we didn't do pot limit back, you know, when I was breaking in. That, that was unheard of. So I never understood. I know, granted, God's gifted me with, a, with an ability to work, be real good with numbers, but there was no difficulty to it. You didn't have to remember the damn pot. You just had to run the damn game and say, okay, yeah, this is your right. bet. No limit. You know, when no limit really came in, again, no biggie. Uh, boy, how much you want to bet? doesn't matter if there's $50 in the pot. You want to put a $1,000 wager out there, it's 1000 to call to you, sir. Hmm. You know, very simple. But the dollar amounts, for some reason, gets these dealers always nervous. Well, there's, so, there, there's a good amount in there, so can't you kind of just pretend that you know it, even if you don't? You're, 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 you're like, yeah, yes, yes. And, and, it. and you and know what I've told? Maybe someone well, call you on it and say, no, 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 it should be 1125 uh, that, that, At that particular game in Dania, if you're off by $5, okay, if you're off because of $5, okay, Somebody at the in the table will tell you that. Yeah. They will test you one more time. You get it wrong again. They're telling the supervisors, I don't want this person wow. in the rotation. That's crazy. And they're doing that. Listen, they know that. Yeah. Now, it's just, it's like any other preparation for any other job, Dave. Especially, you know, your first time is a shocker there. So you're almost trying to, you know, get through that table Try not to make any mistakes, even if the games don't go as quickly. Thank God these people don't bother. But here's the other pressure that comes on with those games, okay? They're usually time-raked, okay? So now people who are losing are asking for deck change or new setups, okay? Give those cards an extra wash, which is no big deal for, for a dealer, okay? But if the staff floor is busy and you've asked for a new setup and they take a little extra few minutes, that person's blame, who, you know, remember, at a poker table, there's one person to blame, the dealer. Yeah. Plain and simple. It starts and ends right there. The only time a supervisor catches any heat is when that person, he or she, has to make a decision at the table, 
and the people at the table don't believe the dealer has given a, a, an accurate account of what's happened up to that point. And then you've got screaming from both ends because obviously one account is going to favor one player over another. And, you know, then holy hell breaks loose and, you know, you have a miserable day. You know, some of these people who play for these amount of monies are, you know, for lack of a better word, just miserable. A-holes. A-holes, yeah. <laughs> that, let me tell you, that, that's like the old joke that, uh, you know, every lawyer is an a-hole and somebody gets up in a bar and says, hey, I have a fence to that. And the guy goes, what are you, a lawyer? He goes, no, I'm an a-hole. So <laughs> he's figuring lawyers are, low, are lower breeds than a-holes. Oh, and man. unfortunately, there are people don't care how much money they can make. I've made up to a half hour on that particular table on one, one instance. I made almost $200 in tips because I hit the right people. I have also been on that table where I've made less than $10, and I have pushed well over $200,000 in, in, wow. in pots combined for the, for the half hour and made less than $10 because of these, because of these people. So it's a crapshoot for the, for the dealers. You hit the right people, and that's always the case in most tables. But when you're playing lower limits, you might have two people that don't want to tip the dealer who want to, you know, they're just miserable with themselves. And I'm not saying that just because they don't tip the dealers. They're, you know... They're not tipping the dealers because that's inbred in them or because they're just so miserable with everything else in life that they want to make somebody else miserable. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you've been doing this for a very long time, and obviously some of those skills you've developed over the years have served you well and uh, you know led to some of your management positions and that sort of thing. Uh, what I want to ask you, though, is, and we'll get into a couple stories here, is the changes in technology have now made it so that you, you, know, you always have to keep learning. Yes. That's a, that's 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 a, that's as a player you as a player you have to keep learning as a dealer the technology is making your supposed to make your life easier because the technique to deal has not changed in you know in forever okay the the technique that you need to use has not changed we just discussed what pot limit is so that is a mathematical situation in paying attention at the table, you know that every single hand somebody's going to say pot, and you need to be on top of that because the least person that you expect at that table will tell you. You know, I've I've actually had some of these guys when the guy goes pot in a big one, and before I can answer it, he's going it's six thousand four hundred and fifty to you, and I'm like, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> wow, that's pretty the gentleman good. said six thousand four, and once they slip up on that. You know that's the person who's watching you when you make the mistake. Yeah, exactly. So technology is to make more money for the house and for the dealers. Poker is one of those games that they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, you know, the house makes X amount of dollars per hand, and the more hands you get out, if you're raking the pot, the more money obviously the house is going to get, and the more chances you have of getting tipped. So if you're dealing an extra, I, I've worked the math on this. If, believe it or not, if, if in an eight-hour shift, if everything, if it's in a perfect world, you're dealing, uh, I believe it's six hours out of the eight. I remember that was when we were doing 20-minute shifts, but I think it works out the same. Six hours of table time, okay? If you were to get three hands an hour, that doesn't seem like a lot. Let's just forget the three. Let's go to just two hands an hour more than your coworkers. Over those six hours, that's 12 hands, Okay? If you were to average $3 for those hands and tips, 
it's an extra $36 that you made that day. You have a 40-hour week. You just made $180 more, yeah. which you're talking close to ni- over $9,000 more a year just for getting those two hands. Right. Make that three. Make that three. And the only reason you're getting those hands out, Big Dave, is running a smooth game, being able to make change, being able to take control of the table so that people aren't on each other's back, making sure you get the supervisors involved, and not making mistakes because mistakes are the biggest killers of of time, of hands getting out. It could take 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and now you've lost three or four wow. hands that the house isn't going to get, and you're never going to get tipped on that. Okay, well, I want to talk about a couple of changes that are uh, coming uh, because of technology, and that's improvement in a lot of things. Uh, basically, what set me off on this was uh, an article I read that said a uh, Indian casino in Michigan called Gun Lake in Wayland is uh, using a new... Um, facial recognition uh, in their cameras to be able to track players, uh, mainly as a security device, but also, you know, you could use it as some sort of business uh, device as well. But it's a software that uh, they can analyze player behaviors on the floor. And it's really not to affect the game. Yeah, but to what end? Well, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it when oh, we Oh, I'm back. sorry. I, I want to get into that. This. Okay, yeah. But I when I was reading the that. article, there was uh, some other talk about some of the other changes in uh, some of the state-of-the-art technology and shufflers and some of that stuff, and I want to talk about that as well because a very interesting situation came out of that in a Philly casino uh, a couple of years ago that was finally uh, decided by the state uh, uh, gambling uh, commission made a ruling on it and actually fined them $100,000. But I want to get to that when we come back. Uh, we'll also keep an eye on the Best Bet Bounty Scramble. Of course, the World Series of Poker Europe is going on. No one we ever heard of is playing there except for uh, uh, Sean Deeb and uh, Anthony Zeno. And that's because he wants to win Player <laughs> and, and of the Ferguson. Year. Chris Ferguson, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chris Ferguson did it last year to win Player of the Year. Sean Deeb is doing the well, same. Well, no, none of the guys that were right behind him showed up, so uh, he's, he's locked in. Yeah, Probably didn't need to spend the money. Anyway, uh, let's take a break here on the show. When we come back, we'll get to a couple of these uh, items tonight. Uh, if we have time, we'll get to this, uh, what makes a good game. And as I started to say, it wasn't really about the social aspect of the game, but what types of games that people have played, and we may get into that, and uh, why No Limit Hold'em took off as opposed to five-card stud and five-card draw and some of the games that were played many years ago. So anyway, well, all this tonight here on uh, Poker Action Line. We we'll hope you'll stick around and listen to the whole show. And we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. What is that? Oh, that? It's my time machine. Does it work? Sure. Just hit this button. Whoa, dinosaurs. Cool. Or we can go here. Hey, that's Napoleon. Me. Or we can go to the future. Wow. Hey, you have this nice house. Do I have a nice house? 
No, you didn't save any money. Always spent it on vacations and stuff. If only there was a way I could go back in time and correct that bad habit. Yep. Okay, the time machine is not real, but the saving thing is. Get in the habit of putting some of your money in savings each week through a 401k, savings account, or financial investments. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy tips on saving, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. What does this crazy little button do? This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here on Poker Action Line. We bring it to you every week from South Florida. You can always find the show on iTunes or on our website, PokerActionLine.com. You can go to the the Poker Fuse podcast page, or you can pick us up on Hold'em Radio, uh, Hold'emRadio.com. Or you can just go to SoundCloud and uh, search Poker Action Line and uh, subscribe to the show, rate it, uh, give us a a little feedback. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And uh, as we keep moving forward here into the fall here in South Florida. Uh, Back to the topic at hand. Uh, Just bring this up real quick because this really doesn't affect the game as much as you just kind of wonder. You know, you go back to George Orwell's 1984 Big Brother and... uh, you know, the business is looking over everybody's shoulder and uh, filming uh, their workers, and and everybody just kind of scoffed and laughed at that. Casino has to do that. The casino well, has the casino to do has that. to because there's too much money security. involved. In yeah, there. exactly. Too much money. Too much of a too much of a temptation. But they have this pilot program up in Michigan. It's called VSB LTY. Visibility, I guess, is kind of the uh, abbreviation there. And they can uh, gather information on age and gender and time of uh, play for players and that sort of thing. Um, really with a design to enhance the guest's experience and, and create a safety and uh, perimeter on the casino floor. So a lot of it's security. But who knows what they could use down the road. Uh, and the reason I, I kind of explore this is because at the very end of the article, they talk about uh, other state-of-the-art technologies and uh brick-and-mortar casinos such as casino shufflers, the uh, card shufflers on the table, which can return a shuffled deck to its original position, which is basically the sort yeah, mode, as you explained it It takes about me. 28 seconds. And there's also uh, casino cameras that are so good these days that they could read words on, on, your, on your cell phone at the table. Yeah, the cameras, I forget about these days. I, I, I you had that we've had that. We've had that when I was still in Miami, and you're talking now... You know, six years. Yeah, you can scroll in real quick and you know read read what whatever they've got in front of them. You could just uh, you could read it. And you're talking that was going back six years ago. You know, once once uh, this capability of you know the, the higher tech uh, security cameras that the state insisted right. that the casinos have. Well, this is supposed to be progress, and uh, at the risk of sounding like an old fogey, I think it just can be twisted around to affect well, people in such you, a negative fashion. Do you know how many criminals have been caught at casinos that well, police have been looking for? Well, that's the good side of it. Due, be, due to the fact that, that they have the, their security uh, uh, software allows to recognize faces. Yeah. They, they, most no, casinos, I mean, especially there's, going there's back good, in there's Vegas. Good bad things. There's good you know, bad and things. And here's another it. thing. If something happens to a guest, you know, they have the capabilities. I know down here, I don't believe they've gone to that extent because of the the cost effectiveness of it but in Vegas you know where you've got that, that large amount of money that's that's there is god forbid something happened to you in the casino 
they could catch you coming in at one place, hit that camera with your face recognition, and the software itself will figure out where you've been. So they don't have to have a security wow. person sort through. Okay, Dave went to the bathroom here. I gotta wait till he comes out. You know, they well, will well, they will set that up and then pr- push this out and and you know. I mean, these are, these are the things that friends of mine have told me that they, well, that they have that capability. Those are the good things, and I can understand that. But you can always think of ways to twist it around to use it in nefarious ways. Uh, for example, uh, if you can read, a guy has a, a tablet at the table, and he's looking at his notes about other players or something like that, and you can zoom in and find out whether he's cheating or not or using some sort of program that he shouldn't be using. Uh, but if... You're tied in with a couple other players, maybe even someone at that table. You might be able to pull something off of there and uh, send him a little a text about what this guy is thinking and, and affect the outcome of the game. Is that yeah, crazy? It, well, it's not a matter of what he's thinking because I could care less what he's thinking. It's a lot more important information if if I know what he thinks I have or you're telling me what he has. Yeah. You understand? Actual things that will affect the hand. Thinking means nothing. Now, again... Thinking will make some some money for you. I'm not, I, should, I should take that back a little bit, Dave. Is if this guy has written notes and says that guy in seat three, you know, is a loose cannon. I'm going to wait to set him up. I know the next time he makes a move, I'm going to set him up because he's going to be bluffing. Now, someone gives me that information, I know how to play my hand yeah. when I have a monster against you because you've already got a preconceived notion of of, of how I've played. That you think I'm, I'm, I'm going to feed you everything, every little note that you put in there that that will indicate that I am bluffing to eventually take all your money and you're going to be left there. But that's a lot of work to go through and you need to be in on it. And guess what, Dave? Eventually, people will get caught with this. It, it, it's just, like I said, that would have to be an individual, not a casino. See, and that's where people have a tough time separating themselves from this, okay? A casino, the percentages are built into the casino, not to mention the restaurants, the rooms, every other aspect that they, every other business that's in that casino is there to make money legitimately. In the casinos, the percentages, that the house percentages are rigged that they can't lose. So all they need is people to keep coming in in a safe enjoyable environment, okay, Drawing more that they're more running is That's all they need. So those cameras, as much as you want to say, oh, it's a j-, no, those cameras are actually there for the large yeah. majority protection. Yeah. Now, will someone use it? Because all of a sudden, I've got access to this. I can sit there, and you and Gio are both going to play poker. Now I've got to be able to text. You've got to remember, they've got cameras inside the, ca- inside the camera yeah, rooms right, also exactly. that other people will see. Certain patterns will take set this off. Can it be done for a short period of time? Of course it can. You know that's how people get caught because eventually they start doing stuff like this. Um, again, going back to 1980, the people that they were shift managers that trained me back at the New York School of Gambling. One of the guys told me one of the biggest ones is the casino knew there's a dealer that was stealing Dave, and the guy got to a hundred dollars a day, and they kept putting him on higher games. Okay which made no sense to me, and he started going to 500. And they knew this guy was stealing from them for six months over two to $3,000. Wow. They wanted to find out who was involved with him because you've got to clear your hands, the eyes in this guy. They had people watching him from all different angles. You want to know how he was doing it? And they caught him in a, like, like they, the, the man who I spoke with, I won't mention his name now, but he goes, he goes it, it took us 
analyzing this man's film like and then when you hear the expression the hand is quicker than the eye that's exactly what this guy had this man had a watch that worked on time that if, oh what time is it here it's two o'clock you see the hands moving there was the right exact time it had a false compartment and this man was quick enough to out you know to to beat the cameras until one time where it slipped for a second for not even a second like a, a tenth of a second and that's how they eventually caught him. Wow. And then you can't follow somebody into the bathroom. So apparently, if you're stealing more than one chip a day, you've got to get that one chip out of the watch. So when you go in on your second shift, you can steal another. And he got to the point where this man was stealing 500 and $1,000 chips because they put him in these games. When they finally caught him, this man said, I don't know what they did with him, but we never saw him again. And so you're talking, this was in the 70s, and a little different people other than the corporations were running these casinos back then. So, you know, trust me, the stories I have heard, and most of the people, you know, that steal from casinos are the employees. Because they're the ones that have access to it. A player may steal from another player, which they catch, but you've never seen anybody reach over and grab chips from a casino. They'll, they'll, They'll be... They'll be thrown to the ground so hard they'll be lucky to wake up with half of their bones not broken. Yeah. You know, so that's well, the reason for this large security. I'd love to know what this thing is that you're that, that they're talking about the mood of the people. I think that's more to hey, this guy looks like he's about to explode. Yeah. And to have security around so you don't have a situation on the floor more so than to get a read on the person as he's playing. Well, to be honest, uh doesn't say much inside the article that would cause them to write this headline, but it sounds uh, you know, like they're uh, appealing to uh, a certain side of people by saying that they're gathering data on the emotional state of gamblers. Not really. No, it's more of a, uh, just a safety thing. Let's, I, let, I, let me give it back to this ahead. other story, though. Go ahead. Um, this was something that happened at the Sugar House Casino in Philadelphia uh, last year in September uh, of 2017. And uh, eventually, this all the investigation, and they came up with a fine because there was a poker tournament where, at one table, the poker dealer dealt 16 hands in a row with two unshuffled decks. Now he should have known that the shuffler was blinking, so that meant it was in the sort oh, mode. It wasn't o- working not properly. Not only him. What, what about the players at the table? Yeah, Why they is actually like dealt these building? hands from I, the from the sorted mode. I can't. I, I you've told me this before we came on air, and I still can't believe that, Dave. I can't believe that. I could see one hand, maybe one, you know, one deck, you know, red and blue deck, got out there. How sixteen hands went out is beyond me. Because and the players didn't say anything until after the 16th hand. So whether they knew it or not, nobody said anything. Right, because the only thing that's going to change is where the deck starts, because the dealer's got to cut the deck, okay? So if he takes a thin cut, and, you know, most dealers are asked to do a 50-50 split. But some dealers will do a, a thinner cut, some will do a thicker cut, so you're cutting 70% of the deck instead of 50, and then putting the bottom half on top. You know, it all depends. I just did it. Did they speak to the dealer? Does the dealer make a comment as to why he, well, did, he or said, she didn't notice this? Well, they just said he didn't notice and that uh, it was just a malfunction and that there wasn't any evidence that they could come up with with any collusion. Well, let me tell you something, Dave. I find that so freaking hard to believe, being that you know, and again, that people can mistake this and, and players at the table. It's it, you know. It's hard for me because, you know, the machines that we have, that we had at Dania, I don't know if they still have them there. It's been a while. But, you know, it tells you sorting. 
sorting the deck. Uh-huh. Okay, so at one point, you know, he's he's dealing a, a a completely shuffled deck. I can't believe that somebody at the table or the dealer him, himself, after sixteen hands, isn't looking at this, because when that light starts to blink, you know, it usually will be it'll be, you know off and then when it turns green that means the deck is done all you have to do is push the button the cards come up pull them out yeah put your cut card in front cut it and go forward well you would think that they would notice after a few hands when the flop was Kept three consecutive up. cards yes yeah, uh, sequential the same suit. right when they're coming up well uh, you know unless it was like king uh, queen of hearts king of hearts and now the ace or you know the ace of spades you know and then the following one would be the three of spades and then the five of spades yeah. something had to to, you know, lead for this, and if I believe, weren't they fined very large? They were for fined a hundred thousand dollars. It wasn't only for this one incident, but that was the main incident. And there was a few other yeah, uh, incidents over a seven-month period that uh, led to this. And let me tell you something. Um, I would, I would definitely have a conversation with the people who, you know, the company from where they got the uh, the shufflers from, because this thing should not be in an automatic sort mode. Right. You understand? Now, you know, machines break down. And these suckers, you know, my experience as a manager and then back going back as a dealer once I was out for a while, I spoke once to one of the technicians, and I, listen, I don't remember, to be honest with you, the price that we were paying at Miami Highline when I was manager there because it kind of dealt more with upper management because that was a cost that I couldn't make a decision on. They wouldn't let me make a decision on that. But I did speak with some people in the in companies like this, and I actually spoke to our good friend Noah Carbone, who's the director up at West Palm Beach Kennel Club. He was one of the first ones to start using them, and he told me he was tracking them. And you know, oh, you know, we're getting out. The company said you'd get out seven to eight more hands an hour. Yeah. You know, and if you're raking, that'll that, that'll that definitely that'll definitely make you a lot more money, and and the cost because these things were not cheap. But if you're getting seven to eight hands. Be honest with you, I don't think it was, because not every or let me say not every single machine in that damn room, okay? Because uh, they would break down a lot more frequently than I thought, okay? The people part of the contract is that they would be maintained, and you had the options of renting them or buying them outright, okay? Um, you know, you have to go through the expense of putting that hole in the table and having it fit properly and, you know, having the electricity right underneath the table for it to work. They would send maintenance people early in the morning before you opened your room. Mm-hmm. And for those rooms that are open 24 hours, you'd have to start on an area where there was nobody playing, you know, right. try to do it at that time there. But my personal experience, and obviously I, I guess I didn't do the right numbers because they're still in a lot of places, but not every casino has them on every table. Because cost effectiveness, and I still don't believe, you know, they they blow up these numbers. And my experience led me to believe that, you know, a, a, a properly trained dealer, you know, shouldn't take more than about 20 seconds. Now, granted, when you do do that over the course of if that machine is working properly, but once that machine goes down, here you have to go back to the hand dealing. 
then finally when a supervisor comes over to replace it, you've got to stop the game. He's got to unplug yeah. it underneath. Yeah, you've got to pull it out, put this one in, plug it in, let it recharge up to the point. So, two, so that Two it's steps forward, one step back. That's exactly. Uh, one other thing on this other story. Uh, is it possible that the investigation by the Gaming Commission, and we know from our experience in the paramutuals over the years that a lot of these people that work for the state don't know have nothing. They don't have an any knowledge. Effing clue. They're political appointees. Oh my God! And for them to uh, investigate a game, uh, they probably don't know enough to f- to find frick from frack. Exactly. They hire somebody who they're paying off a political promise to somebody, somebody's kid or something, and. At least here in the state of Florida, I found out they're not being very well paid, so there's no incentive to immerse yourself in in, yeah. in the rules and regulation. And even if they did, you know, I, luckily I had a pretty good, you know, um, what do you call that repertoire with, with rapport with, rapport with uh, with with the state people, and. Um, you know, they'd ask me, and they knew I wasn't playing games with them. I wasn't yeah. trying to blow smoke up, th- up their butts. You know, I, I'd tell them what it was because yeah. I didn't want issues in my casino. And if it helped them do their job in other places, it was great. You know, most of the casinos don't like to see inspectors come in because especially when you have one of these people, they're going to nitpick about the smallest little thing because that's what happens to stick in their head. Okay? Uh, you know, oh, this little thing, which is an extremely minor infraction, that it's just, hey, buddy, Joe, take care of this. And no problem. I didn't even realize that. It's so small. Now, when it becomes big issues, they're afraid to take action because they don't understand the rules, the concepts of the game. It, it amazed the hell out of me how these people were supposed to be watching me, and I'm educating them on what they have to be watching me for. Yeah. And no job should have that. And that will probably never change. No, I, I haven't seen it in the state of Florida. <laughs> and even with the people that I got to know from Dania, what, and I can't get into certain things there, but stuff that they were looking at, there's no way that the state guy knew what the hell that was. That had to be somebody else telling them. And when, you know, at that time I was one of the supervisors, so when the manager, Omar, wasn't there, and, and Elio before him, I would imagine, would come up and... Luckily, some of them rec- remembered me from being at Miami Highlight, but I told them, listen, I'm not, I'm not the boss anymore here, you know. But they'd come in to me, and I, listen, I've been around this for too long. You can't start talking to me about something that I know you absolutely know nothing about, right, and all of a sudden right. you've got some education. I know somebody else schooled you somewhere else, you understand? And when they would ask me, it wasn't even asking me a question. It, it, it was like, you know, oh, wait a minute, is this how this works? You know, instead of telling me, they were asking me questions. And then, you know, I don't know about what other managers in their poker rooms did. I just wanted this to go smoothly, clean, get out, and let's get back to doing business uh, the right way. Well, We've never had anything to hide. Pretty crazy stuff, though, uh, for that to even happen. (laughs) I just thought we would have some fun talking about that. And guess what? To be fined $100,000, they found enough cost because that's a lot of money especially because they're going to push that back uh that cost on the poker room so for that to occur i can't believe that dealer kept his job you know uh well it doesn't say he did uh, okay because i'd be (laughs) i it's just as a manager and as a dealer i just can't imagine a professional dealer not catching that for 16 hands so you know i don't know what you know what's going to happen but hey 
Okay, well, let's take a break on the show. We'll come back and uh, talk a little more about a couple other things. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and uh, we hope you'll get the show every week. And we bring it to you usually in the beginning of the week, and uh, you can get it anytime during the week and go back to it. Uh, but we appreciate your uh, listening, and we hope you'll do so on a regular basis. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Drag Racing Series. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt, race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events, NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show, Poker Action Line. And, uh, of course, uh, elections right around the corner. I want to talk about that briefly. Uh, basically, I want to talk about Nevada because a uh, situation I became aware of today that I didn't really know much about. Uh, there's always the talk about uh, what will happen with uh, the Rio, and and there could be moves out there. There's uh, sports teams coming into town. Uh, but uh, the gambling situation out there has been pretty uh, pretty consistent over the years. Uh, we did add online gaming there and online poker, but that could that there could be a problem there. Uh, the governor, who is coming to the end of his uh, term limit, uh, Brian Sandoval, will be leaving, so they are going to have a new governor out there. Uh, there's The Democrat, his name is Steve Sisolak, and the Republican is Adam Laxalt. Now, you may be familiar with Laxalt. Uh, his father was actually uh, uh, a legislator, I believe a senator there for many years, and uh, he is uh, completely against online gaming. Let me guess who one of his biggest backers is. 
Sheldon Adelson. Damn, I was oh, by the way, I was going to give you three <laughs> guesses, and the first two weren't going to count. <laughs> you know what? You know what's funny about that, and this is. Uh, well, I'll get back to that uh, Adelson thing because he is uh, being mentioned in several stories. He's mentioned in this one because he is obviously one of the uh, people who has pumped a lot of money into the Adam Laxalt con- uh, campaign. Of course, as soon as you mention anti-online uh, uh, gambling. <laughs> It's uh, he right now. Laxalt has a slim edge over Sisolak. So could he close the doors? Certainly, certainly, he could close the doors to online gaming out there. Uh, I would imagine that they would have to have a majority in in their House and Senate, you know, for the state of Nevada. I can't believe the governor would have you know complete autonomy to to make that decision on his own. He was one of the attorneys general. Uh, Laxalt was who signed the letter for the restoration of the uh, Wire Act. And as it turned out, uh, the ruling under Obama was that uh, it only applied to sports betting, and that kind of opened the way for online poker years ago, if everybody remembers that. But uh, there are a few other candidates on this, but uh, uh, the threat to online poker is Adam Laxalt. So uh, people keep an eye on that for sure. Um, you know, we'll see what happens uh, in the election and everything. But if you uh, are a person who plays poker, you have input to people who live out there, uh, a vote for Sisolak is probably much better for well, the poker Big world. Well, Big Dave, I can't, I can't help but but think that uh, the other casinos would definitely have already been, you know, putting up, ad, you know, commercials in in the state of Nevada yeah. to well, oppose sure. this uh, this man, as far as that's concerned. But again, if the danger is that you know their their house is going to change to to a majority who who would repeal whatever act it is that they have out there, whatever law it is that they pass to have this, that would be the danger. Just having a governor who who's opposed to it, but you know the rest of the people in there, you know I don't know what the percentages were when it did pass, but I'm sure it was very high because that state has done everything correctly. Sandoval was he a Republican or a Democrat? He's uh, Sandoval's a Democrat. Democrat. Okay, so, and I'm sure they've had Republican governors prior to Sandoval, so, you know, listen, yeah. this is a state that has done, for the most part, everything correctly to enhance gambling and the enjoyment of it for people to go there, to go online, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that even if this governor gets, this man gets elected governor, that that's not going to really change, you know, due to the fact that, you know, you're going to need other other legislative people in that state to vote to vote to repeal that. Right, exactly. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I also want to shift gears here a bit and talk about this article of what makes a good game, and and I still never think I, I got clear exactly what it talks about. But uh, Ed Miller kind of uh, talks about how you know five card stud was a big game at one time, uh, five card draw, and then seven card stud was a, was a change because uh, it 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 became a, a more complex game for people, and that what people are looking for is, uh, you know, the chance to outthink and outplay the other players. And if there's not a lot of decisions to be made because of the limit of, like, for instance, a five-card stud, you know, it's pretty straightforward, and there's not a whole lot of thinking. Uh, well, five-card stud, here, here's the evolution, in my opinion, there, when you said five-card stud, that the seven-card stud, remember, is in five, well... Are you talking five-card stud where it was one down and four up? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right, because I think California had to, had poker 
uh, live poker where they were playing five card stud, but it wasn't with the four exposed cards. It was five cards dealt to you, and people bet on whether they had a pair of aces and five cards and bet it strong. You you had no clue as to, you know, uh, uh, what your opponent had. So if 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 you had uh, you know a bigger uh, <laughs> stack size, you know. It became getting to really know your players because you didn't have any card information. Five card stud, you had too much information. <laughs> either the guy, if there's four diamonds up there, either you know he's going to have that flush or he's not going to have that flush because you know it's one card. Seven card stud became real interesting and very big because it gave you two down, one up, and then the last one down. So there was information out there for you, you know, but but some of it was hidden and then hold them. Two cards down, five cards for everybody to use. So now you know what everybody's five cards are, and you know what the what the max is. What does that say about how it, how that progression grew to where it's at Hold'em? Right. Uh, why do you think that Limit Hold'em is not more popular? Uh, that that the No Limit game has completely taken off and surpassed it by far. My guess is uh, Limit Poker plays a lot more dangerous because you can't protect your hand as much. So limit poker, in my opinion, now this is a double-edged sword. Allows people to chase you more, okay? So when they don't get there, you've actually made a bigger pot and won more money. But but due to the fact that it's a lot, uh, you know, it's a lot cheaper for them to call one bet instead of a humongous bet. You know, if you're playing even 20-40, that pot's got... Five, six, seven hundred dollars in there, you know, for, and and it's just you and the other person. Even if the other person th- it does have what he, what he or she is representing, you have a chance to beat them because you're drawing to the to the nut straight, the nut flush, you know, bigger full house, whatever whatever the scenario is. You honestly believe, well, hey, for forty dollars more, I'm going to take that shot. Yeah. Now, if I make that a thousand dollars, you understand? Now you're thinking. Wow, I don't know if I want to take this shot for a thousand dollars, but the pot may have not have grown to that amount either. So, um, I think the popularity of no limit is that people would probably say that they could protect their hands a little more than they could in no limit. He says there's I mean, there's, so, there's a lot more uh, strategic depth to the game, and that produces a, a skill gap in the players, which is attractive to a lot of guys who uh, want to make a living at the game. Exactly, because again, there's no skill level to decide. Guys, Eight nine hundred dollar pot. It's built up to this, and I got to call just forty dollars to see if I get lucky. Guess what? I could do that seven or eight times. I get lucky once. I got a hell of a payback. But now, like I said, you make that wager that large. Now the luck factor no longer takes effect. Now you got to decide. Now if I take you four, three or four times before you hit, you may not get that money back because you've had to put in hundreds of dollars to try to catch. You're making them pay to catch you. He also says that uh, the skill gap is important for the popularity of these games, but that too much of a skill gap can be a bad thing because uh, long-term it may eliminate uh, you know, newer players that will struggle to win and uh, will lose interest and drop out of the game. So uh, while some poker games have larger gaps than others, he says uh, some so much that uh, he thinks they will struggle to survive. Yeah, but in the lower limit games... You're buying in for a lot less money. Which he says is why some of the split pot games have not really taken off. Right, because, you, you know, that's there isn't enough money there. The higher limit guys don't want to play split pot level games. You know, they don't want to do that. 
And the lower limits, if you're there for just the fun sake of this, you know, 20, 30, 40, you know, 30 years ago, you know, you could get away. You'd, you'd enjoy a split limit. You know, I remember used to play seven-card stud high-low. It was, was a great action game, you know. And it took a little bit of skill level even at the limit level to decide which way you were going to head towards. You know, you were, you know, you, you, people who are learning the game, I found out from a very good poker uh, player, that, and then I, you know, again, I haven't read anybody else about it, Dave, but he said, listen, in high-low, he goes, you always should be trying to get, you know, if you see that you have a strong chance at the low and you work yourself into, you know, either a low that has a straight or a flush involved in it, you have a great chance of scooping the pot. Now, the only one who, who can take a pot is the high hand if there's no low, you know, but but because of all the way that people play the game, he goes, if you're only drawing high, you're only playing for half the pot, right? and that's never worth it. You know, if you're drawing low, you could draw for both sides of the pot because you might get a low and you might have two pairs or, or three of a kind and still have a low and have a chance to scoop, scoop both of them. You start with three kings and then a ten and a jack, you know, you're not getting a low. Somebody gets a straight on you, you're left with the three kings that you may have been rolled up with. You're, you're, you've lost a lot of money because a low lucked into a straight or a flush. And he talks about uh, games like Bidusi, which is a split pot game, uh, deuce to seven low ball, splitting the pot with the best Bidugi hand. So I don't play the, Bidugi, some, some I don't people know. people are not you know. familiar with that. And a lot of people don't even want to get into that because there's a lot to learn and then how to play both of those. But uh, he says, uh, you know, if you don't have a firm grasp of split pot games, then you really don't have much of a chance against the seasoned Bidusi players. So... And then he said that's a limit game, and if they ever made it pot limit or no limit, then the skill gap would be enormous. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. But he's thinking about the future and what games could be added in the future, and uh, he says that uh, he thinks poker will be popular just the way it is, but that some smart innovations can help take it to the next level again. What do you think of that? That he would that different games would take it. What was that to the next to level? To the next level that uh, make it even more popular with uh, some added uh, twists and variants. But he doesn't give you examples. No, not really. He doesn't give you because I'd love to hear an example on that. You know, <laughs> I want to hear what you think is. I mean, Badugi and all of these games, and you know, I don't see them being played at casinos. Do you? I mean, you know, for cash games, I know they're in some of the tournaments. Right. But, well, he talks know, about how Omaha could be confusing for some people, that you have to use two cards from your hand and only two, and, and that some people can't or just get very confused. What, with two cards? If two cards confuses you, poker is definitely not the game. No, but I mean, you know, if you're used to playing Hold'em and all of a sudden, you know, you're oh. trying to switch into Omaha, you know, that can be a big problem. But that's been going on. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. not lying to you. It has. It, yeah. You know, people. He's just I've, talking why people I've haven't picked these games up more. And, and the, the reason I, you know, Omaha, the pot limit game, as we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, is the one game that has kind of like really, that's been like the new game that people because there's more cards in your hand, so there's obviously a lot more possibilities more in active. hands, and. And speaking to the the gap level between the top players and the and the other ones, top players know what draws they have to chase out on. Right. Okay. While the other people just see something very, you know, oh, I flopped. I if if you have a, if you flopped, um, it's a big difference from flopping a set, Dave. Um, 
it's a big difference from flopping a set than having two fours on the flop and you have a four. Now you just need to match one of your other cards. Right. You ma- you get a set and, and, and because you have a pair and one of your cards came up. It's a lot harder. The board has to pair up now for right, you right. for you to get that full yeah. house. And now that thing comes up four four five with the four five of hearts. People know that it becomes a lot more difficult for you to hit that full house in that in that sense than than trying to get it. You know when there's two two of those cards up on the board. The top players. That's where I see the big gap. That's where I see the big gap. People think they understand that, and that's a game that you have to know the mathematics that are involved in it. Yeah. Okay, one final break ahead of us here, and when we come back, uh, some news about Rounders, uh, possible sequel. It's not good news, though, unfortunately. We'll talk about it when we get back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Okay, we'll see if we can get to this Rounders thing. But I did want there's one thing I wanted to mention about Sheldon Adelson. Is a just story just came out that uh, when Donald Trump was meeting with the Prime Minister of Japan, he actually asked him since they have they have passed casino gambling. It's been a long hard fight there, uh, and there's been a lot of people against it for a long time. But there's going to be three licenses in Japan for casinos, and Trump actually asked if he could make sure that uh, Sheldon Adelson got one of the licenses. This is the kind of thing he just blurted out, and uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, One of the uh, sources of people who were uh, in the know said uh, it was totally brought up out of the blue and that the Japanese were a little incredulous that Trump would be so brazen. Yeah, well, you know, it's not the first time he's done something like this in his two years. But I, what I wanted to say is, you know, here we do a radio show, and uh, we've been calling this guy Adelson, Adelson, you know, both ways. And I never really knew what it was. 
Uh, I thought about it last week, and uh, I was watching the uh, Seminole Hard Rock uh, show from April, and one of the players at the final table, Joey Cooden, uh, who's been at a lot of final tables, talked to him many times and everything. The announcers, uh, Vince and Tony Dunst, called him Cowden, Joey Cowden. Now, I don't think that's possible that that's the way it's really pronounced, but having dealt with this guy over the years and everything, never heard that said that way. But a lot of times when you see players' names and you read them and you have your own thought in your head of how it's pronounced, you know, you don't really know what the true pronunciation is. So I thought about Adelson. So I went online and I searched pronunciation of Sheldon Adelson. So they had three uh, YouTube videos on how to pronounce it. And I clicked on the first one. It's, uh, you know, American guy saying Sheldon Adelson. And I thought, oh, okay. So then the second one was kind of like a foreign pronunciation, and the person came on and said, Sheldon Adelson, or something like that. It's I like thought, a German. Wow. sounds like a German pronunciation. It was weird. I thought, wow, that was weird. So th- I said, well, let's do the third one and see what I said. And, th- and it was a woman, and she came on and said, Sheldon Adelson. <laughs> so now I don't know what it is. Adelson? Adelson? Hey. Who knows? I just know I don't like What the was guy. the baseball player? Maybe you guys will know. I remember his last, I don't know if it was Bill, but, but you know, I remember hearing the, the announcer say Bill Miller or, or whatever. Oh, M- Bill Miller. Yeah. And it, but it's pronounced, it's, it's, it's spelled, spelled Mueller. Mueller, yeah. And I said, the guy can't read that. That's Mueller. And then someone eventually no, Miller said, is I know it's, it's spelled as Mueller, but it sounds, you know, Well, that, 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 that's the bottom line is when I interview players and I need to talk about it on the show, uh, I will go up and ask them. Years ago, I asked Jason, Jason Mercier. And a lot of people call him Mercier, which is the French pronunciation of, of the E-R at the end of a word. And uh, he said, no, no, it's, it's Mercier. And, uh, and I've heard people call him Mercier and things like that. And, and it's like, this is one of the best-known players in the game. Well, listen, how many years did we call Patrick Sertan? Patrick Sertain. Sertain, yeah. I you know? That, yeah. And um, the, one of the big ones was um, the Cleveland, Albert Bell being called Joey Bell for half of his career. And then all of a sudden, one day we wake up, he's Albert. We had it here with Mike Statton, who's now... Giancarlo Staten. Uh, so a lot of times when a name's mispronounced and and the person just gets tired of correcting him and just says just too nice a person to actually say no <laughs> no it's it's this but you know if you ask them directly how is it pronounced so anyway that's uh, one of the things we deal with here in the poker media anyway we'll get to the uh, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about the rounders thing next week I just can tell you that uh, Matt Damon was on the Bill uh, Simmons podcast which is out there. Uh, great podcast if you're a sports person. Check it out. And uh, What, he's not going to be in the Well, in he, the just said, he just said that it's getting to the point now that the uh, entertainment business has changed so much that uh, with DVDs uh, not popular anymore and uh, it needs more of an international look if it ever got produced. And if you got to have a couple of car, car crashes and... Uh, a poker movie, he said, is just probably not going to fly these days. You know? It's especially based on what they did. They, that, you know, that's why that movie was so successful. It, it educated the public to the point that top players, you know, that it's no. It brought it's, people into it's the It's not game. a surprise anymore that the top players were consistently finishing at the top of these tournaments, right? And in sense, was shouting to the world, "This is a game of skill." Yeah, you know, and and we've been arguing whether the legality and some of the courts that have decided is poker a game of skill or a game of luck. Anyway, it's the 20-year anniversary of Rounders, and I don't think we'll see a sequel. 
one of the uh, guys I was reading a, an article about it, and he said, "Well, it's probably for the best." He goes, "You know, uh, you know, do you need uh, uh, do you need a Caddyshack too? Did you know that was horrible? They had that." He said, "The Blues Brothers, do they need to remake that? You know, there's hey, some of these things just stand on their own." The for, only for thing the that I would do if I was looking for a Rounders remake now, because of the way the world is today, as opposed to it was back then, is Rounders the Internet. You understand where where you have a group of people who play online. You see and how they attack this situation, how they've had to leave this country, and maybe the movie is bringing back something where, hey, eventually the United States realizes, you know, this is something that we've got to go. That's a way. That's that's about the only poker movie that I could see out there that true poker players would get into because, you know, yeah. the actual part of it, much like I said, for me. You know, watching tournaments, I know you enjoy watching these tournaments. That's like watching paint dry for me, you know, when it's yeah. six months down the road. But guess what? You know, you tackle the biggest problem we have now that, no, there's no no uh, Internet poker here in the United States outside of a few states. You know, you could bring a poker, you could bring poker people to a movie theater to watch this if it's done right and, you know, Oh, there you go. Work it out. Work it to the point where, hey, you know, we've convinced some some of these politicians that, you know, this needs to be back in the United States. Well, let's write it. Let's write it. There you go. Okay. So I'll, I'll sit down. <laughs> that'll do it for tonight's show. Uh, thank you, Gio, for all your work as usual. And, Joe, thank you. Uh, we'll be back with another show next week. We'll come up with something to talk about. There we, we go. Always we do. always seem to. Absolutely. We'll see you next week on another edition of Poker Action Live. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.